Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? This is Gas Glee Stamos from Gearworks.com and the E2KG Network podcasting channel on YouTube here with another episode of What's Your Issue? This is episode number 17, where we will be covering the comic books that shipped the previous new comic book, new comic book day of 30 January 2019. Here with me, as always, is my stalwart companion, Mr. Stephen Laura. How are you doing, Stephen? Doing good. Just overload it with stuff. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, my brain is burned out. Oh, uh, sorry, man. Yeah. No, it's all right. It's just, the way, it's just too many comic books are coming out, and there, burn, it burns me out. There, there are. There were a lot of comics last week, uh, and it was a particularly kind of a bumper crop of good comics, which actually always... Yeah, it's good comics, and it burns me out yeah. on it, how many good stuff there is. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes it hard. Like, it, it's funny that, like, the more stuff there is, the harder it actually is. Um, yeah. So if you have never tuned into an episode of the show before, uh, every this is a weekly comic books review show. Every week we run down six comic books in our review segment and talk about them in pretty excruciating detail. Then we move on to talk about the two comics that were the best thing that each of us read last week. We move on and present our list of honorable mentions, which are any comic books that we read that we would have rated an 8.0 or above on our 10.0 scale by half point increments. And then we round out the podcast by enumerating the list of comics that will be in our pull list in the upcoming new comic book day so that you have a reasonable expectation of what we might be talking about next week. Also, if you were not aware, this is a spoilery review show. We will not waver from any item of detail that we choose to get into in all any of the books. Uh, we may, of our own volition, decide that there's something that we don't want to talk about or don't want to reveal, but that is totally up to us. There will be no pre-warning, so if you haven't read your comic books, despite the fact that it's Monday and only a couple of days before the next new comic book day, please, we'd recommend probably stop listening to the podcast and uh, go read your comics and then come back and listen to this later. Heading off the top of the show... It's a really weird pick. Um, I'm going to talk about Animosity Evolution number 10, which is a, a comic from Aftershock Comics, created and written by Marguerite Bennett, who I am most familiar with from her run on Batwoman, uh, as well as, uh, as, well as uh, DC Comics Bombshells. Uh... uh I don't. Yeah, I've got a notation here. That again, I think that's a, a storytelling by Eric Gapster, uh, and I guess so. I guess who was the artist on it? I, I may have. We're very. We're both probably a little bit tired tonight, so I may have gaffed some of the notations in the list. Um, and then colors by Rob Schwager. Uh, neither of those two um, am I familiar with. So um, unfortunately, I think I walked in on what might be the last issue of this comic. Um, or else it's the end of a, a, a core arc, a core arc, um, and I really kind of can't even tell you exactly what the comic is about. Um, there wasn't a lot of exposition detailing for you what the story was about before you walked into it. It was very much written from the aspect of an expectation that you had. I read this before. The script is very much kind of a island of Doctor Moreau kind of thing for people who remember that old timey. Uh, monster movie, which was about um, Dr. Moreau was a doctor who went out to an island and experimented on animals uh, to make them more human. Um, this is something similar where uh, the, the 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 animals are are slightly humanized and they have the capability to to talk and communicate with humans. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of dialogue in here about um, the animals kind of rising up and. And, and, and taking over society um, with humans becoming slightly subjugated uh, and there's all sorts of talk mainly of, of cannibalism it's, it's largely a, t a lifeboat earth conversation um, between the main character and a pig who uh, it appears that the pig is being the one who will uh, there was previously a king or queen one of which has been who's been removed and that now this pig is rising to power and, and there's very much a talk of, of, of lives as statistics and um, cutting the overall population, I think they say by 40%, maybe 60%, so that, they're, so that basically they can 
uh, kill off that percentage of the population, which will then be meat for the remaining population to consume. It's very uh, macabre. Um, in addition to that, the, the lead human character, who is in most of the pages, um, when you get to the end of the book, finds out that uh, he is some type of anthropomorphized animal as well, I believe. Um, and then it ends with a big splash page of, uh, of characters that I believe are forming some form of resistance. Um, probably not the best issue to drop in on, but I am a fan of Marguerite Bennett, and I kind of wanted to check out what she was doing in a creator-owned comic. Um, it's very well-written. It's very verbose. Uh, the, the, the art in it is, is fine. It didn't really do anything, like, particularly spectacular for me. Um, there's a lot of, uh, it's, it's very, it's, one of the problems, I think, is that, uh, it's very verbose in the writing, which might be okay for a final issue. I'm getting into a lot of detail if it's an effort to wrap up all sorts of loose threads and yarns. Uh, but it's also very, very panelly. Uh, there's lots of pages with, uh, with, you know, kind of an, an overload of panels on the page um, until you get to the last few pages of the book. Um, but overall, I kind of like the tone on it. I, it's, it's not quite I, the the other author who kind of does things in this vein um, that it made me think of was Dan Abnett but I feel Abnett's approach to this is a is a little cleaner a little less verbose um, and a little more straightforward uh, but again it's a little difficult for me to uh, to overly comment on that uh, when I'm coming in on the end uh, to pull up my review score. Uh, at the end of the day, I wound up giving this comic a 6.5 out of 10. Um, it was interesting. I would be... Uh, it, would, it, it, it might just be enough to lead me to kind of pick it up in trade. Um, and if anybody wonders, uh, you know, sometimes we get questions or I get questions about, well, why did you read, like, this comic if you haven't read the nine preceding? Well, because... Maybe I don't want to just plunk down 20 bucks or 25 bucks for the trade when it comes out without having at least picked up one single issue and kind of, you know, been given enough of a clue to feel like uh, I could make some evaluation of whether or not it uh, met my desires. So, Stephen, I'm guessing this is not a comic that you read last week? No, I, I heard <laughs> it, but not read it. Right. So, uh, next to the rundown is probably something that I'm almost absolutely certain that you did read which is Detective Comics number 997. Yeah. This is the road to issue number 1000, and it's a very interesting ride. At least uh, here, uh, as we saw at the end of the preceding issue, we pick up with Batman um, arriving or having arrived at the home of the original Mr. Miracle and them being trapped in a very cunning death trap. So they are... Um, they're trapped in a they're trapped in a room in a, in a home that has essentially been flipped upside down. Uh, the windows have been sealed with metal. Uh, it starts filling up with water, uh, and so they are submerged. Uh, they are strapped with leather straps. There is one strap tethering them to a concrete block at the bottom of the um, at the bottom of the water, uh, and they've taken Batman's utility belt. So this is pretty much like the most harrowing trap that you could be in. Um, overall, one of the things I want to mention, uh, so, and first of all, a uh, creative team um, written by Peter J. Tomasi, pencils by Doug Monkey, uh, inks by Christian Alamy and Mark Irwin, colors by David Barron, and letters by Rob Lay. Um, one of the reasons why this book wound up ranking so highly for me, and it was definitely one that was kind of in contention for the best thing that I read, this week is these first 10 to 12 pages for me are maybe the most harrowing pages in comics that I have read. They've been the, the most tense, the most um, thrilling uh, seeing how they were going to get out of this trap. I mean, Batman's never, I mean, it's going to be a very rare occasion where Batman is taken off the chessboard, uh, but they have not minded critically injuring him. Um, the former Mr. Miracle was, I was absolutely certain that former, the, the original Mr. Miracle was going to die in this, uh, issue. They have been taking 
Batman mentors and coaches uh, off the chessboard quite a number of times in the approach to this, or they have at least critically injured many of them as well. I mean, in fact, everyone has either been like mortally wounded or um, or critically injured uh, or, or killed. Um, amazingly, that doesn't happen to Mister Miracle. I was really again original Mister Miracle. I was really surprised. Um, but every step and every every panel, every beat, drum beat in the first ten to twelve pages is uh, I mean everything's got to go exactly perfectly, uh, or else they're not going to get out of this trap. There are sharks. Sharks. Sharks almost kind of automa- automatically make you have a good comic if <laughs> if they're handled correctly. There's piranha, and then when they get out of this thing, um, you know I don't know what. Do you know what the name of this Batman creature is? That's been chasing him down. No, but it looks like in the end he finds out as Hugo Strange. Well, so the creature is it. So, so one of the, so we saw this creature show up when he went to uh, to I think North or South Korea um, into the mountains of South Korea um, to his sensei. Uh, there's this weird genetically created creature that. Um, has all of Batman's memories and is a shapeshifter, so it has the ability to render itself um, as people from Batman's life, and it's the one that showed up at the front door to Wayne Manor and claimed that it was Commissioner Gordon, and whatever they, whatever Bruce and Alfred have on the mansion, I don't know whether it's DNA or facial res- recognition or whatever, the, the computer told them it was Commissioner Gordon, Um so he he they get out of this trap and they wind up fighting this thing, uh, and then Batman is eventually able to drive it down into the water, which they had to escape from, uh, where it gets att- promptly attacked by the sharks and the piranha. So this thing apparently has been taken care of, and then yes, and then we go on to uh, the final pages where it appears that the big pat the big bad behind a lot of this is Doctor Hugo Strange, who for some reason is in his lab in a Batman suit, which I don't quite understand. That uh, on art on this, and again, M- Monkey is one of my favorite artists. I talked a little bit last issue on how there were some um, continuity pieces out of place uh, in that scene in the snow-covered mountains in Korea. Um, in, in this book, and, and this is a theme, so as, as good as comics were this week, there were some very bad instances of multiple artists on books that... That really sunk some books for me, and this this almost dipped out of the of the eight and above range for me. Um, the two inkers on this, uh, Alamy and Irwin, um, their difference in styles, like it almost makes the comic look like it's drawn by two different people. Even though Monkey's on pencils all the way throughout, and part of the issue is that I think it's uh, it's Irwin who who um, takes over on inks once they're up out of the trap. He does something where I, I feel like there's less detail or less hatching, and it, like I said, it makes it look like it is done by an, an artist. It makes it look like it's done by an artist who doesn't put a lot of detail. It makes it look like Monkey is an artist who doesn't put a lot of detail um, into the work, which is in stark contrast to the first half of the comic, which is really gorgeous. I mean, the first half of this book is absolutely one of the best art performances that I saw this week. The second half of the book was something that was a little less appealing to me and kind of looks like something that's a, a little more um, almost kind of late 1970s, like 1980s-ish um, in its art. Um, especially with the big splash page of the portrait of Batman uh, diving down onto Hugo Strange coming out of the window. So... That was a little jarring for me, and not as much appreciated, which is which is why, you know, I wavered on the line, and at the end of the day, I wound up giving this comic an eight point five, and I round up, I wound up reading this. So, Animosity Evolution was the last book I read in my stack. Uh, Detective Comics was the ninth out of fifteen that I read, so it was almost kind of smack dab in the middle. Um, incredibly happy with the first half of the comic. Not so much pleased with the second half. Steven, did you read this comic? Yeah, I just didn't like it as much. I gave it a 7.0. Because I don't like the idea of making Batman superhuman. 
with the whole escape thing. I felt like it was too supreme for him to escape out of. And uh, I don't really, I really not liking Doug Mankey's art. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so why don't you talk to us about Raven, Daughter of Darkness, number 12. Is this an mm-hmm. ongoing or is it a limited series? It's a limited series. It's the final issue of it. Okay. Um, is there anything you had to say about that? Uh, did you understand my opinion about that comics or? Yeah, I. <laughs> yeah, it no, like I was gonna say something, but then you no, no, I, I, yeah, I get what you're saying, and, and even and 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 I'm kind of right there with you. I mean, in the first half, I mean, he he tears off a piece of shark meat and like in water drops it, and it like he, he gets it to land yeah, exactly really like. like- on his feet so that the piranha eats through. Yes, it's... It's, it's kind of over-exaggerating it a lot. It is. But. It's it's a little... It, well, to, to me, he's, <laughs> he's written... I mean, the whole shtick of Mr. Miracle, right, is that's the kind of stuff that Mr. Miracle does to make these ridiculous escapes. Yeah. And, and I felt like, like Tomasi was trying to say, well, he trained Batman, so Batman is kind of capable of doing the same things. I, I, I will say, to me... That, that was very tension building because like as he did each one of those things I'm like ah there's no way he's gonna pull that off um, so but no I could, but I could definitely yeah there there were points where he's, like, he, he's apparently the ears on the cow yeah I didn't understand can be I fired explained. as a projectile <laughs> I show that to my boyfriend he says that uh, things don't combust like that on the water right. it just doesn't work that way right I'll, I'll say one other gig I had on this and, and why it didn't hit a nine I actually do have some nine point books this week, which is very rare for me. I will say one of the other things that bugged me is um it's a really complicated fight with this shape shifter because it does a lot of weird funky things in combat that a normal Batman villain doesn't. And the fight choreography got a little wonky for me. There were points where I was like, wait, wh- where did where were they in the panel before and how did he get to that position now? And I'm like that uh-huh. that doesn't make any sense to me like um and, and 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 the whole I mean actually when he does the final you know drives him down into the water like I, there's a, there's a whole sequence where somehow the battle goes aerial and I'm like I don't understand how the hell they got up off the ground like that high for Batman to like be like riding him down into the water from a height there's no like elevation difference when they come out on it's flat land so I don't know um, but that's and another reason why. I don't know if piranhas are capable of chopping off metal that way. In the right, 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 right. Where right. he chopped off the, the metal piece in the bottom of his foot. It's yeah. just, it was kind of weird. Right. All right, so let's go, let's go ahead and talk about Raven. Sorry. No, no, no. Uh, all right, um, Raven, Daughter of the Darkness, number 12, is a final issue of a limited series. It's written by Mark Wolfman. Um, pencil is Pop Mahan. I think that's how you say it. Um, colorist is Lovren Kindeshevsky. I think that's how you say it. And letters is Sada Temofante. Um, well, you definitely pulled the card on the most complicated creative team names. Really? <laughs> that week. was very complicated. <laughs> I was seeing them right. I try my best. <laughs> uh, um so yeah this 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 is this um this issue specifically was um was about um Raven and her team of teenagers to just like the night force they're um they're going against the shadow riders which is a whole bunch of um which is like a whole bunch of villains that uh want to get rid of the arc anybody with arcane powers because somebody in the in their past uh that had arcane powers um killed um one of their family members so they want to take revenge upon all arcane um powered um humans so that's why um raven and the night force wanted to uh take them down um so during I mean in this issue you find out that uh there's a person who has uh that's a half human and half 
Shadow Rider, Rider, but she was a good guy and she was fight. She was helping, fighting the knife with the knife force, fighting the, uh, the Shadow Riders and the Shadow Rider. I mean, the, yeah, Shadow Riders end up killing Sky Harper in this issue, and uh, they also the Shadow Riders also end up killing uh, Raven's sister in this series. Um. Raven finds out she has a whole bunch of um, sisters that Trigon um, made from her. Like, he ended up cloning her and made a whole bunch of demons. But they end up all dying in this series slowly. They had, The last one had died this issue. So they're all dead now. And uh, in this issue, uh, Raven goes through some emotional turmoil, like, emotional uh, moment with... Uh, with her sister dying, she was just she wished she would have gotten to know more about her sisters because there was more than one, and the last one died, and she she was kind of saddened about the the sister dying, and she wanted to take revenge upon the Shadow Riders, but um, the Night Force ended up stopping her, and uh, she decided to make some type of um illusions and this is where the story gets confusing because uh um she makes an allusion to the shadow rider that uh she did she made allusion that she did kill her um two of her family um his of the there was a leader and there was two other shadow riders and she makes an allusion to the main um shadow rider that uh that he that she killed the other two family members and she told them the leader to uh control himself because if she if she if he decides to um escape and kill more people she will kill him so she killed the two family members as a warning but that was an illusion she didn't really kill them and uh uh she locked them in some containment um facility which is kind of weird because at the end, they didn't show what happened to the other two Shadow Riders. It just didn't make any sense to me. I, like, did she make an illusion or she lied about the illusion? I just have no idea. And they didn't make any, they didn't explain any of that. Um, so uh, I gave this issue a, a 7.0 because um, it was an interesting concept, but I just, I I wish that uh, I just didn't like the whole uh, preaching about not killing kind of thing because it kind of messed up the book. It just it just made things very overcomplicated. Where the the shadow writers end up dying or not is just the the characters with the I mean the shadow writers being dead or not just end up getting lost in the story i don't know if the shadow writers died or not they didn't make explanation towards that and it lost me on there and uh i just i just hate when um comic writers just like to find ways to be preachy about not killing like it's is totally the right thing to do and they they act like there's no consequences of that when there actually is consequences of leaving um people who actually are murderers. Um <laughs> yeah, uh there's consequences of leaving murderers constantly kill people and around. It's like there's not exactly a totally right way of doing it. They just were kind of one-sided and they were preaching about it it's like i get it you don't want to kill it's like we don't kill ever and they just did that like twice and I'm like i agree i get it you don't kill can you stop preaching about it and it just got me annoyed so i did i did like it it's just um it was just okay this limited series it had a lot of interesting backstory of raven and her sisters and her family members I also kind of didn't like that they rushed. Um, another part that did happen in the story is Raven tells her family members that she's a superhero and she has powers and she's a demon and all that stuff that's about her life. And 
you don't get a chance of the parents, I mean, her, not parents, her aunt and uncle and her cousins reacting to her secret identity. Like, they don't, it just cuts off her telling them who she is. And that was it. That was kind of disappointed she didn't, they didn't get, we didn't get a reaction from them. And that's about it. It's like, like it was packing way too much in into the last issue. Okay. All right. Uh, next book on the rundown uh, is another weird one. A weird, number one, by Dark Horse Comics. Um, this was about the seventh book I read. So again, very near the mid-pack. In fact, um, it was we just got done, to, you know, a couple issues ago, we got done talking about Detective Comics. And this was actually the issue that I read right before it. Uh, so, you know, a couple times on the podcast, we've talked about how um, at least for me, there are some very specific kind of kind of plot setups um, that I immediately kind of glom onto. I was like, "Oh, that's cool. That's like right in my wheelhouse." And this is kind of one of them. So, um, uh, I think his name is Stephen Weird. Um, is uh, employed by a uh, federal law enforcement agency, kind of as a freelancer. Um, when the issue opens. Uh, as one would expect with somebody who uh, is is immortal, I think, um, he goes about uh, various ways to hurt himself, including jumping off a bridge, uh, allowing himself to get hit by a car. Uh, he has a very uh, eccentric personality. Um, but then uh, the, the, you know, his handler or manager at the FBI um, you know, gets up and uh, gets him on a plane and sends him to this, uh, it's, I think it's a fictitious country that they made up, and he shows up uh, ostensibly to uh, find somebody who has been using biological weapons uh, on, on a small village uh, uh, in the area. Um, they find a little girl who, uh, who, you know, hid in this village um, to avoid... Uh, whoever's coming through with the biological weapons. Um, like I said, I, I love this setup because it's this intermix of, like, um, you know, the, the, the magical with, like, real-world, regular, like, law enforcement agencies and government agencies and, and problems, and I always kind of love that kind of stuff, you know, kind of like the Dresden Files. Um, but uh, it is, and I should, I, I apologize, uh, so the... Um, so the creative team on this, uh, storytellers are, are Kurt Pires and Antonio Fuso, and I think uh, Pires, I'm choosing to pronounce that way, it could be Pires, I'm not certain, um, but uh, Fuso, I believe, is the is the artist on the comic, uh, and colors by Stefanio Simeone. Um, so... Uh, so, the, so the artwork on it is, is pretty great, um, it suffers a little bit kind of in well-lit um, spaces. Uh, 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 Fuso is kind of does this particularly excellent job um, when, when things are kind of, uh, when there's a lot of shadow um, in, in, the, in the work. Um, not so much as well when uh, things are, are, are bright and, and well-lit. And he goes back and forth between these two extremes um, in the course of telling this story. Uh, you know, Stephen Weird is written very much um, similar to Constantine. Um, so if you like that kind of a vibe, uh, that's kind of what you will get uh, from it. I'm uh, very interesting to see this character kind of put. Um, you know, the, the great thing about Constantine is he, he acts like somebody who's not very emotional. And so then when you get him into a scene where um, there's kind of veiled compassion almost, uh, it, it really comes off uh, fairly well. Um, so uh, the, the only thing I didn't like in this book is there's, I, I guess I feel like there's some mess, messiness in the, in the epilogue um, where uh, there's a scene that cuts to a flashback in 1942. And the problem is I, I can't tell. Uh, and it's, it's about a man and a woman meeting and the guy and the man proposing and, and her eventually saying yes. Um, but I, I can't tell if they're trying to say, like, you know, Stephen Weird has... I, I mean, I've seen a note in there somewhere that he's immortal, so maybe he doesn't age. Um, and this is and this is him back in the 1940s, or maybe it's his parents. Um, but I, 
I don't know. I wish they kind of been more uh, uh, definitive and clear about labeling it as such, um, if that was going to be the case. Um, Stephen, again, I'm guessing this is one that you did not read. Yeah, I did not read either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so go ahead and talk to us about the uh, Man Without Fear, number five. Yeah, um, this is Man Without Fear, number five, which is uh, the final issue of a miniseries from Marvel where uh, I think it deals, I mean, it deals with uh, Daredevil being in a coma and finding ways to escape out of it. Um, so in this um, last issue, I mean, this issue, uh, he's, uh, he already did get out of coma in the, in the previous, uh, well, it's confusing because issue four was supposed to be three and issue four I mean yeah issue four was supposed to be three and three issue three was supposed to be four and they came out of order so uh yeah issue four was supposed to happen before three and three was happening after four and uh yeah so he he wakes out of a coma in issue four even though he was out of coma in, in three which was a weird confused had a get the idea that one issue came out earlier than the other. Um and I saw the synopsis was different. The issue orders were different in the synopsis. Um so yeah he he's he's um exercising on how to walk again because his problem was that when he got out of a coma he couldn't walk anymore and he was um training himself to walk again. And during the, that time, he was training himself to walk again. Is like a a fear. His fear consciousness was uh, taking over him, and he was slowly getting scared of being Daredevil. And now, wants to be. He doesn't want to be Daredevil anymore. He's uh, at the end of the issue. He jumps out the window. And we don't know what happens to him, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, throughout the whole entire issue, he's bowing his own self and his his um thought patterns or influences of his friends like Foggy and the Defenders. Even his even his dad are trying to in his head they're trying to convince him to fight the fear and and you can there's a chance to be there ever again you know like your life is good don't don't think that your life is bad or it's always and his i mean his ex-girlfriends were also in his head too but yeah they were all convincing him not to to give up being daredevil but he kept listening to his fear entity and not fear entity fear consciousness and the fear consciousness ended up winning because apparently at the end of the issue he ends up jumping off and he started agreeing with the fear and saying that he doesn't deserve to be alive because uh yeah daredevil causes so much um pain and emotions towards his friends and family and girlfriends whatever and uh yeah it's too much um too much for his life and he wants to be finally free, so the only way to be finally free is to kill himself. And he jumps off the roof, and that's what we end up finding out. Um, so um, the the I forgot to mention the creative team. The creative team was uh, writers Jed McKay, pencil is the Leo Dan Leo S Bayroof. Um, the colorist is Andreas Mosa, and the letters is VCs Clayton Cows. Um, so yeah, I gave this issue an 8.0 because I, I really did like the way Daredevil is fine. Uh, Matt Murdock is like fine. Um, fighting this this fear consciousness in his mind, and it's just strange how the fear ends up defeating him and he lets it defeat him. And the thing is with what's interesting about Daredevil is that uh, he always lets the fear drive him to do, to become Daredevil and do the things that he can do. Like 
that's what embodies him to be a, a superhero or the way his personality operates. And it's interesting to see that the one thing that drives him also defeats him and like becomes a villain for him. And I thought that was an interesting concept. I liked that. And I liked I I I thought it was interesting to see the um the the thing that's been driving him actually defeat him and put him in a place where uh only I think committing suicide. I'm not sure if he's gonna die, but uh we'll see what happens in day ever number one if he's actually still alive or whatnot. Um so yeah, I wonder what the next the Daredevil relaunch is going to be up to if he let let fear um, defeat him. I thought it was an interesting concept. The only thing I did not like uh, too much was the art. I'm not really a big fan of Daniel's um, arts. Excuse me. I'm not a big fan of his art style, but it did tell the the story in a I was able to, in a clear way, I was able to know what's going on. That's about it. Yeah, that's it. Very cool. So, um, so Daughters of the Dragon number three? Yeah, that's, that's it's me. Yeah, it's me again. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Daughters of the Dragon number three is uh, another final issue of um, the miniseries of Marvel Comics Originals. And, um, this issue is um, it the creative well the creative team for this issue is once again writer Jet McKay. Um, yes, yeah, Jet McKay. The penciler is um, travel travel foreman. Inkers is Joe Silver and travel foreman. Um, colors is and- Andres Mosa, and which is the same color as from. The man without fear, I notice. Um, and the letters is Ferran Delgado. So, um, yeah, this this is the final issue of the series, and uh, in this issue, uh, apparently, uh, Colin Wing and Miss Knight get kidnapped because, uh, yeah, they get kidnapped from uh, um some type of drug lord. Um, they find out that the uh, when they wake up, they find out that the drug lord is actually a villain from a daughter of the of a certain villain that they fought. Her name is Vakan. And um her her father fought the daughters of the dragons a long time ago. And uh they were I mean this um the daughter um she uh She's like uh she was she, in this in the beginning of this series uh she kidnapped a whole bunch of kids and used them for drugs and uh calling me and missing the end of saving the kids and uh the villain <clears throat> I mean the villain ended up kidnapping calling me and missing night to try to kill them off and she didn't end up killing them off she uh Missy Knight and Kami ended up defeating her and putting her in prison. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, we find yeah we find out this is this villain is actually uh, a father of a long time villain that they fought, trying to put revenge for for the daughter of the dragon killing her father. And uh, so yeah, I ended up giving this a seven point five. I really did enjoy this um, issue. Um, And I did like that this issue was referencing to um, an old continuity that was like, I've been reading Missy Knight's history of comic books every weekend. And I, I noticed that the, the daughter was, uh, was the daughter of a villain that they fought during the seventies. Um, it was a combo called Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, and they were in it. And um, um, yeah, Colin was fighting the the daughter of that villain, and I like that the the ref there was a reference point mentioning that 
that Missy Knight and Colin Wing killed him. And I do remember reading that part in that of that old um issue and um I like that they referenced something that happened a long time ago. That means like the writer was keeping up with the continuity and I thought that was interesting of something that happened a long, long time ago that has been referenced in a while. And I like that there's some it makes some store interesting story play for this issue and um I I did like the the story was pretty interesting. I just I just end up giving it a seven point five because uh I didn't like uh Travel Foreman's art style. It's not for me. That's the only thing and um it was a simple story because uh I noticed they just they get kidnapped, they defeat the villain, they end up going to prison. It's not anything too deep, but I did I thought it was interesting that um the daughter was was um exactly like her father. She took her father's path on being a drug lord because that's what her father was and she's the same, the same exact person and I thought that was interesting to make a new version of that character, I, I guess. So yeah, I give it 7.5 for that. Okay, cool. Well, I apologize that I'm not able to give you much of a break. Uh, the next segment that we want to go into is the one that covers oh. the best thing that we read last week. And unfortunately, Stephen, this week you get to go first. So why don't you tell us about your pick, a little bit about the creative team, and uh, what you found uh, what you found in that comic that wound up breaking it out as being the best thing, or just uh, you know piqued your interest and, and set it uh, above mm-hmm. the bar that everybody else that all the other comics got from you this week. All right. Uh, um. This is. This is the final issue of the series, Exiles number 12. And the writer is Sal- Saladin Ahmed. Um, pencilers Javier Rodriguez. Colorist is Musa Vincent Vicente, I think. And uh, letters is VC Joe um, Caramanga. And um, uh, this issue. We deal with uh, the exiles fighting the Watchers, and in that issue, they they um then the Watchers end up trapping them in their memories, and uh, what is it? Uh, Blink ended up um um she ended up escaping the memories that she was trapped in from the Watchers. Excuse me. Um. So yeah. Um. They ended up. Tri- um. Yeah. She ends up having. She has some technology that could. That can make her travel through different dimensions using her t- teleporting abilities. So. Um. So yeah, she ended up being the 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 technology has its own AI and it helped um Blink escape the the, the memories, and she ended up helping. Uh, Iron Lad t- to escape, and Iron Lad was end up sacrificing himself with the technology that, that was from Blink's um wrist. Um, he ended up using that technology to es- to let everyone escape their memories that they were trapped from the Watcher, and they did end up escaping, and they uh. As he was um, fighting the Watchers, um, Watcher, the previous Watcher, the one that died in Original Sin, his wife um, ended up coming and intervening in the fight. And she says that uh, these Watchers are a bunch of traitors. They're not um, supposed to be here. They're they're the ones that's messing with the timeline and the different dimensions and we got to imprison them and let you let the exiles go because they weren't at fault about of this and uh they decided to um go back home and um what is it uh at the end um um blink ends up she ends up going to sleep after a tired day with her team members and she uh 
gets a vivid memory of um yeah she she ends up dreaming uh I'm not sure if it's a vivid memory or it's actually happening. Uh she gets to see Khan, Kamala Khan, like a old old woman Kamala Khan. She ends up seeing her and Kamala Khan said that uh that Iron Lad has found a way to um bring her back alive because she had died the last issue and yeah, she find a way to bring her back alive and her the way the only way she was able she was able to reach blink from having um her Kamala Khan's um son, I mean daughter. Yeah, because she, she says she has two kids. She has a son and a daughter, but her daughter has magic power not magic um mutant powers to uh no, I think it's more of inhuman powers, not mutant. I'm sorry, inhuman power to uh to make um dreams into a reality. So she uh she gave the the technology that that con I mean not con that um um Iron Lad had the the, the technology that was on his wrist that it returned to Blink because now Blink. It was Blink's, and she, he decided to use um, Kamala Khan to return the item to her. And the um, she, after she wakes up, she's um, happy that things are back to normal, and she decided for Exiles to be a normal team of superheroes, I guess, to keep fighting on. That was the end of the issue. And I end up giving it a 9.0 because uh, I did like how when the Watchers ended up, um, when the Watchers did end up, hold on, let me just get some water. I mean, I'm just going to drink water. Yeah, go ahead. So, yeah. um, So, yeah, uh, I like this issue because I did like how when the watchers um ended up um ended up putting all the characters into memories i mean put trapped them in their own memories they were they had like a interesting way of pa- um paneling in it cuz uh Javier Rodriguez he put a silhouette of each character and he put panels inside the characters bodies describing um who they are as a person with those memories and they are trapped in their memories over and over it's like a edge of tomorrow thing where they keep repeating themselves inside a memory that that made them who they are as a person and they were like trauma memories so i thought that that was interesting uh that each of them had a way to describe I mean, each of them had that type of experience. And I did like the sacrifice. I also like the sacrifice of of um of Iron Lad in the end of the issue. And yeah, I did I thought that was interesting with the that Iron Lad ended up sacrificing himself just to save all his friends. And I don't know if he um does end up dying or uh because in the when blink ends up going to sleep after the day was over and she ends up seeing kamala khan in her dreams we have no idea if those if that dream actually happened and and uh i did like the way of of you know um of the blink seeing someone that passed away in her dreams because uh i also went through that experiences experience when my mother passed away i did see her in my dreams and it made me think of that moment when uh i read that story so it kind of made me uh happy that i can relate i was able to relate to blink in that way she was able to see people who passed away or on that was part of her life in her dreams and it made her feel better the next day because um, her seeing uh, so many people die from the Watchers end up putting her in a pretty bad emotional state, and it made her feel better about um, 
being able to lose someone and lose like a whole bunch of people in this um, fight against the uh, these watchers and feel much feel oh um much better about losing these people and going on in her life and take it as that this is a normal thing that happens in life you just I thought that was an interesting way to tell the story. It was relatable and very human-like story. And it was a heartfelt story. I did like, like it a lot. And it's a nice conclusion to the series. And I end up giving it a 9.0. Okay, very good. For me, the best thing that I read last week wound up being The Flash Annual number 2, which I wound up scoring a 9.0. There was actually one other book that achieved a 9.0, this week, and it was Justice League Annual number one. And so, at the end of the day, I came down to I had to compare these two books and choose one. Uh, the Justice League Annual is, was really impressive. It's kind of, in my mind, uh, it, it was very much like an Infinity War um, in comics, uh, and it's kind of representative to me of how you should write an event, um, which is why you should cover all the bases, you should make sure it doesn't get messy, and you should keep it tight regardless of how why you want your event type of story to uh, to sprawl. In the Flash uh, annual, um, you have a little bit less to work with in terms of a cast, but really the Flash annual number uh, two gets a nod for me. For, uh, for two panels, there's one full-blown space splash page panel uh, of Barry kind of uh, kneeling and sobbing um, as he holds the uniform of Wally West, um, because uh, interestingly enough, in all across all the Flash comics, they've actually they're actually making a concerted effort to bring them all up to speed and kind of close the loops and the gaps that have been presented by the particular continuity that's going on in the DC universe right now with the Heroes in Crisis series and the notion of uh, Sanctuary. Um, so, uh, so again, you know, there's 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 two big splash pages. Uh, one that one with uh, Barry um, holding uh, Wally's uh, uniform and suit. The other one is when he has to run home to tell um, uh, Iris that Wally is dead, and that's another big emotional scene um, in, in the overall arc of this of the story. Um, uh, Barry goes into the Speed Force in an effort to fly, to find, believing that he will find Wally there. Uh, he winds up, winds up being attacked by Godspeed, um, who has returned. Um, so there's lots of conversation between uh, the characters and Godspeed, uh, and then eventually Godspeed uh, gets away. So, um, but in the meantime, there's some a pretty great, um, you know, Josh Williams has done Williamson has done a really great job in taking a character who can be incredibly complicated if you allow them to get bogged down in the notion of time travel and so on and so forth. Um, and he chooses not to do that uh, in this issue. So, um, Stephen, why don't you go ahead and run us through your uh, honorable mentions for uh, the preceding shipping week? Oh, I did uh, read uh, Flash Annual. Sorry, with yeah, you. I, should, I should have asked you. Yeah, I apologize. <laughs> and I did like it as well. I, I gave it a 9.0 for myself. And I did really like the way all the characters were grieving about Wally West and. I thought the 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 effects of um Godspeed, whatever happened in his story in there, I actually did like that part of the story. And I've been reading the Flash, so I've been knowing what's going on. And I did like the Flash issue as well. So it made me enjoy this this particular issue even more because they continue right off of that one and it just made it just added to the story and I enjoyed it because of what happened in that issue. That's it. And Very cool. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yep. And um I also did like that they continue what happened in Hero in Crisis because I noticed in the the flash was happening before Hero in Crisis. So it wasn't mentioning Hero in Crisis for a long time until now. And I'm glad they actually made that point in the story. That's about it. All right, so I'll just go through the honorable mentions. Um, so yeah, I gave. I'm just gonna give a quick. I'm just gonna give a, the scores, and I'm gonna describe them. 
because then we're running on time. Um, so Age of X Men Alpha number one, I ended up giving it an 8.0. Dead Man Logan number three, I gave it an 8.5. Doctor Strange number 10, an 8.0. Um, Marvel Knights 20th anniversary number six, it was the final issue of that series. It's about Daredevil, uh, and a whole bunch of Marvel Knights heroes, um, gaining their memories back and. Yeah, they end up getting their memories back from some villain that had some device that raced their memories. So yeah, they didn't find out who the villain was, which kind of disappointed me. So I ended up giving that a 7.0. I wanted to talk about that, but I didn't have time to. Um, Spider-Man, Spider-Man Deadpool number 45, I gave it 8.0. Um, Star Wars, Dr. Offer number 28, I gave it 8.5. Unstoppable Wasp number four, I gave it an 8.5. Uh, X Force number two, I gave it an 8.0. Background number 31, I gave it an 8.0. Batman Beyond number 28, I gave it an 8.0. Books of Magic number four, I gave it an 8.0. Just League Annual number one, I gave it an 8.0. Just League Odyssey number five, an 8.0. Yeah, these are all eight. Uh, Mysteries of Love and Space number one, which is uh, Valentine's special from DC Comics. I gave it an 8.0. Uh, uh, Scooby-Doo Team Up number 45. I gave it an 8.0. Um, the Flash number 63. I gave it an 8.5. The Silence to number 13. I gave it an 8.5. And Terrifics like, number 12. I gave it an 8.5. That's it. Okay, very cool for me. And on my side, my honorable mentions were uh, Betty and Veronica, number two, from Archie Comics. Got an 8.0. The Unstoppable Wasp, number four, 8.5. West Coast Avengers, number seven, and 8.5. Weird, number one, an 8.0. The Punisher, number seven, 8.5. Detective Comics, uh, number nine, 97, got an 8.5. Action Comics, 1007, got an 8.0. And Justice League Annual, number one, got a... 9.0. And finally, to round out the show, Stephen, why don't you take, take us out, at least halfway out, uh, since, since I've come after you, uh, and give us the rundown on what you are picking up next week from... All right. Um, my pull list is Star Wars number 61, Walking Dead, 188, Justice, Justice League number 17, Green Arrow number 49, Uncanny X number 11, Deathstroke, number 40. Adventure of Super Sons, number 7. Daredevil, number 1. Young Justice, number 2. The Dreaming, number 6. Champions, number 2. Age of X-Men, Mar- The Marvelous X-Men, number 1. War Rain, The Long Night, number 2. The um, the Curse of Brimstone, number 11. Old Man Quill, number 1. Female Furies, number 1. Superman, uh, 100-page Super Spectacular, number 1. And I mean, Suicide Squad, Black Files number four, and um, the last one is Gunhawks number one, which is a a Marvel title that came out in the sixties, and they're reviving it. That's about it. Okay, and for me, uh, coming up this new comic book day, I'm getting uh, Batman number sixty four, Deadpool number nine, Immortal Hulk number thirteen, Justice League number seventeen. Star Wars, number 61, Deathstroke, number 40, Female Furies, number 1, God Mode, number 1, by uh, Keen Spot Entertainment, uh, Shadow Roads, number 6, uh, on Oni Press, uh, Champions, number 2, Age of X-Men, The Marvelous Reunion, number 1, uh, Tony Stark Iron Man, uh, number 8, and Uncanny X-Men, number Eleven. So again, another busy week with a large number of comic books to get through. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Stephen, anything else that you wanted to talk about tonight before we get out of here? No, there's something else. Okay. All right. Well, thanks so much, everybody. I'm kind of rushing us off the show because I'm about at the end of my uh, w- waking conscious capability and I'm about to tip over and fall out of my chair uh, in exhaustion. Uh, thanks so much, everybody, for joining in. I do very much appreciate it on behalf of the E2KG Network podcasting channel on YouTube and my co-host, Mr. Stephen Laura. That's going to do it for us. We are out of here. Talk to you guys later. And uh, if you need our attention, just try and hit us up on Twitter uh, uh, at E2KG Network 
uh, all one word, um, or at uh, Ultimate Awesomeness also. Uh, thanks so much for joining in. That's going to do it for us. Uh, we're out of here. All right, later.